Hey, and welcome to the Hero's Journey podcast, series two, episode four. Now, today I'm going to be doing a very deep dive into the symbols and psychology of the film The Matrix. Now, if you're not familiar with The Matrix, it's a psychological sci fi action thriller. Uh, that involves the main character Neo going on a psychological journey to find himself and to essentially free the human race from uh, being enslaved by machines. So, without further ado, we're just going to dive straight in and it gets very deep very quickly. So the film opens up with Trinity, who is one of the main characters, hacking into the Matrix to contact Neo. Now the Matrix, as we're gonna find out a bit more about, is a simulated world created by the machines to keep people under their control. So this character Trinity is hacking into this simulated world to contact the main character, Neo. Now, as a first time watcher, you don't know it, but what you're actually seeing is Trinity calling to Neo from deep within his unconscious. She's hacking into the Matrix, which is a simulated world in the mind to contact this guy. Essentially, she's hacking into his mind to contact him. So in the real world, Neo is asleep. However, as we come to learn a bit later on, Neo isn't really asleep in the new world as we're in the real world as we're seeing him now. He's actually asleep within his unconscious, a dream within a dream, you might say. Now you may remember in series two, episode one, I spoke about a dream where I was in a cave and I heard a woman's voice calling me, kind of guiding me. And it was like she wasn't in that cave or in that dream, it's like she was beyond it, like it was a dream within a dream. This is a very similar thing that is happening to Neo with Trinity right now. Trinity is calling to him from within the dream, but somewhere deeper than the dream, somewhere else in the unconscious. And similarly to my dream, her calling to him from within the dream wakes him up in the same way that the woman calling to me within my dream when I was in the cave woke me up as well. So that takes us to the, one of the first symbols that I see here. And that is that Trinity represents Neo's anima. And that is his female unconscious. Now, interestingly, her name is Trinity. But the anima is, uh, is regarded to have four key stages of its developmental process. And according to FrithLuton.com, she's a psychoanalyst and a Jungian dream interpre- interpreter. She says that the entire process of anima development in man is about the male subject opening up to emotionality and in that way a broader spirituality by creating a new conscious paradigm that includes intuitive processes, creativity and imagination and psychic sensitivity towards himself and others where it may not have existed previously. So that gives us a real clue to Trinity's role in her interactions and her character in terms of what her responsibility is and uh, purposes for Neo. But why is she called Trinity? 
I'm, I was kind of unsure because Trinity represents three, a trio. And of course, there is the strong likelihood that that relates to the Holy Trinity from the biblical New Testament and, you know, the union of, you know, the tri-union of uh, Father, Son and Spirit. But I, I think that it could be that she's a unifier of those three elements of Neo's tripart nature. I'm going to come back to that a bit more in later on in the podcast. So let's just look at the hero's journey cycle for a second. And we can see that before the hero descends down into the unknown, he has a call to adventure. This is Neo's call to adventure. It begins where Trinity is calling to him to wake up. And she, through his computer, tells him to follow the white rabbit. Now, this is symbolic of him waking up from his unconscious state and beginning his journey into consciousness, his call to adventure. Yeah, she tell if you watch the film, um, she his computer screen, it, 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 Trinity is talking through his computer screen, and she's like, "Wake up, Neo! Come on, follow the white rabbit." Blah blah blah. So. Following the white rabbit is also symbolic of the journey uh, and descent into the unknown. In the same way, Alice from Alice in Wonderland followed the white rabbit down the rabbit hole into Wonderland, which is a theme that recurs in this film. Now, Trinity is telling Neo and us as watchers that we're about to embark on a journey down into the depths of Neo's unconscious mind down into the unknown, a journey to discover self. So I picked this film to break down as my first one um, because it's very insightful of the journey that we take as individuals in order to find ourselves or the journey that we need to take or might have to take or can take in order to find ourselves but we need to go deep into ourselves but I don't want to go too far off track there so uh, Neo hears a knock at the door and it's some friends and he follows this white rabbit which is a, a tattoo uh, on the girlfriend of his friend and he follows them to a club and he, he doesn't fit in he just stands alone to one side watching and he's anticipating to find a clue to the whereabouts of a man named Morpheus who Neo is pretty much obsessed with finding he spends kind of every waking hour when he's not at his job you know hacking and trying to find this Morpheus character and something similar to the dark web uh, a cool side note um that you you'll see if you actually watch the film is that um the friends that knock on the door ask him for a program they want a computer program so he goes to uh get them a disc he's a bit of like a not a drug dealer but like a software dealer i guess selling hacks and whatnot and he has his hacks stashed in a hollowed out copy of a book called um simulacra and simulation the body in theory histories of cultural materialism uh, histories of cultural materialism and it's by a social a sociologist called Jean Baudrillard 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 I'm not sure how to pronounce that I think he's French so I guess it's Baudrillard I'm not sure Baudrillard um, I haven't read the book yet but I do have it um, but I'm just working my way through other things at the moment 
Uh, but from the wiki uh, about this book uh, and other various kind of uh, reviews, um, the book attempts to deal with the relationship between reality, symbols and society, in particular the significance of symbolism in culture and media uh, involved in constructing and understanding shared, exi shared existence. Um, don't worry, all the, all the things that I'm going to reference, I've, I've put in a, a kind of bibliography that I will put in the description for wherever you're listening to this. Uh, so don't worry. Um, but again, this is another clue to what exactly we're dealing with in this movie. An exploration of the relationships between reality, symbols and society. Like everything in this book, uh, in this film is intentional. Every name, every image, everything is intentional. And it's designed to bring awareness to the journey that not only Neo is on, but that we are on also. So Neo is at this club expecting to possibly find Morpheus but instead he meets Trinity um, again if you look at the club it's underground it's a very underground cavey looking rave basement rave again it represents being down in the depths of the unconscious but it's not a place where Neo feels comfortable he's out of place he's not used to being in this sort of environment again signaling to, to us that when we start this journey down into the depths of our unconscious it's gonna take us to some uncomfortable places where we don't feel we fit in so when neo meets trinity what he doesn't understand and i may be jumping a little bit too far ahead in giving this away but he doesn't understand that trinity is his counterpart he she is his feminine equal or other half his animus um however this is alluded to like his awareness of this is like there's a clue to it it's alluded to in the fact that when he first sees her he's shocked to find out that she is the infamous trinity she's like a supreme hacker of unmatched ability and she's known for hacking impossible systems and he says he always thought Trinity was a man. And she says, most men do. Uh, it's an important clue that she's his feminine half. Because Neo is also the same person. He is that supreme hacker doing all this, you know, hacking into these systems and mainframes and whatnot. And he's, re he's renowned in the hacking community. The people within the hacking community come to him to buy hacks. He's one of the best. Um, so these two characters are one and the same, even from this early point in the film. The only difference is, obviously one's male, one's female, but the only difference is that Neo is asleep. He doesn't know who he truly is yet. Hence the role of Trinity, his anima, anima, not animus, sorry, anima, calling to him, awakening him and leading him to consciousness and knowledge of the unknown and knowledge of himself. And she leads him to a mentor also that's going to train him how to become his best self, how to become the one. In the next scene, after that little meeting, Neo wakes up and he's late for work. 
and he he goes to he heads off to work now he he works at a company called meta cortex now when i first saw it i was like meta cortex come on like this is some sort of uh mind programming company but when you actually break down the word meta cortex into two parts meta from the greek prefix and preposition obviously meta <laughs> but it, it means after or beyond and when combined with uh, words in English meta often signifies change or alteration as in the words metamorphic or metabolic very interesting so we're going beyond and we're looking at a possible change or alteration in the word meta and then if we combine that with the word cortex meaning bark like the bark of a tree or the outside um and in this context cerebral cortex we find that cere the cerebral cortex is the outermost layer of the brain the bark the outer shell of the brain if you like now put these two words together metacortex and we're looking at we're possibly looking at a company that's interested in going beyond the outer layers of the brain beyond the outer layers of the mind going deeper into the inner regions into the unconscious or unknown maybe so it's another sign that we're going beyond the outer layers of the mind we're going deeper into the mind and this is where morpheus first makes contact with neo him being in this building when it happens may symbolize that neo is about to go beyond the outer layers of his mind into the deeper layers Neo's already been searching for Morpheus in his sub subconscious and he's dreaming, you know, when, while he's dreaming, sorry, but he may not have been going deep enough. And Morpheus, at the same time, is looking for Neo and he is part of, or at the very least, inside Neo's unconscious mind. Morpheus has been looking for Neo in the depths of Neo's unconscious. This attempt to reach Neo by phone in the metacortex building may symbolize a part of Neo's unconscious mind coming up to his conscious mind, calling to him to venture deeper into the unknown, which is kind of confirmed by Neo then having to rely on Morpheus's voice over the phone to guide him around the office so he doesn't get caught by the agents. Neo doesn't know where the agents are located or where they're exactly moving to when they come to get him in the office. Their locations are unknown, but Morpheus calling to him from outside the building or maybe deeper inside the building is guiding him a bit blindly but what I see it as is again Morpheus is part of Neo's unconscious mind seeking to awaken and enlighten him to his potential to bring him hidden knowledge that can be applied in his conscious reality Morpheus brings light if you like to parts of neo that are kept in darkness morpheus is an in interesting character also in the film he fulfills the guide of the guide or the role of the mentor in the hero's journey 
If you look at the hero's journey cycle, you see there is a space for mentor as the hero crosses over to the to the unknown. Now, in mythology, Morpheus is the son of Somnus, which means sleep, and Morpheus means form or shape. And he's commonly regarded as the god of dreams. So you see here that the name Morpheus is a bit uh, has a bit of a twofold nature. On one hand, it means shape or form, which is what he does to Neo. He shapes him and he forms him in the role of a mentor. But we also get another clue that this whole thing is a dream. Morpheus being the god of dream or sleep. Anyway, Neo fails the first challenge to climb out of the window. He gets too scared and kind of gets caught by the agents. One of which is called Smith and he is the main antagonist of the film. And his character is a program within the Matrix. And he, he takes on the, the, the shape or the, the embodiment of law enforcement if you like but he's corrupt corrupt law enforcement by a corrupt program an interesting thing about smith is we're never actually told what he's an agent of we know he's acting as law enforcement but we're never told that he's an actual agent of anything now in youth work and social work i mean i work in youth work and i work in education so this is something that came to me an association that I made. Um, there are two common but often opposing and intertwined roles of an agent. You have agents of the state and agents of social change. An agent of the state is in place to bring about outcomes, agendas, tick boxes and whatever for the state, i.e. government, schools, economy, statistical data, so on and so forth. Agents of change, however, are more concerned with facilitating change on an interpersonal and social level. So helping do people actually do better for themselves, for their individual, individual gain and the development of society as a community, as opposed to ticking boxes. Now, social workers and youth workers often find themselves caught in between two, two roles and worlds, if you like, because they're often employed by the state, meaning that we work in government schools, we work in government funded youth clubs, blah, blah, blah. And if you're employed by the state, you've got to fulfill the role that the state has employed you to fulfill you're getting paid by the state to achieve certain outcomes to meet certain expectations and in order to do that you must act as a genuine agent of change though and it's a bit underhand because you've got to gain trust build rapport show genuine interest and consideration for the welfare of those that you're trying to facilitate ch positive change in without that change is going to be very difficult to inspire from young people as a youth worker and you're not you're going to have very little impact because they're not going to trust or relate to you i think smith probably fits more into the agent of the state role but there are some elements of be him being an agent of change also even if they are for even if they are only for his own selfish change
Now, a, a slight side note, a theory that I've had for a long time with no real grounding is that Neo and Smith are actually the same person. And I've tried explaining that theory out a few times to people. And while I could loosely explain why I thought it, I never really had, I never really could identify any key elements from the film that backed this up until now. So, well, I'm not going to go too much further into that now, but I, do we, I, I'm not even 100% sure in this film, but I want to ask you the question, do you feel that we find that Smith and Neo are the same person later on in the film? I don't explicitly think so, but Smith is trying to keep Neo from becoming conscious or realising his full potential. He knows if Neo reaches an awakened state that he'll be able to destroy him and break free from the Matrix. That's Neo. On a psychological level, we could see this as Smith being Neo's id. The id, if you don't know, is a concept that was developed by F Sigmund Freud, who described it as the part of the human psyche associated with impulses, desires, and the need to have things now. And if it's not satisfied instantly, it can become angry or upset. Um, you know, it, it, the part of our characters that seeks instant gratification is selfish, acts out negative emotion when not satisfied. And, and Smith embodies this throughout the film where he's impatient trying to catch Neo and stop him and the whole team. He's quick to shoot as soon as he sees them and fight against the team. And his prime motivator is to have his own way and his own plan executed within the Matrix and ultimately upon reality. So although I said he's not explicitly, he's not explicitly kind of marked as Neo's, uh, as part of Neo, but he, he he's also part of Neo's unconscious. You know, maybe he's maybe he's part of Neo's unconscious. That he's the part that doesn't want to wake up. He doesn't want to face reality because it's going to be too hard. Um, facing the realities of the world he's attempting to prevent neo from finding the knowledge and understanding that's going to bring that about too much positive change in neo is ultimately ultimately going to result of loss of control by smith over the sub subconscious world because up to this point trinity morpheus the whole team they all run from smith anytime he appears he has control he has a monopoly on the matrix but Neo reaching his potential would spell the end of that because then Neo would be in control. He'd be the boss, if you like. Let's look a little bit at Neo. And I hope uh, it hasn't been too convoluted or too uh, complicated up until this point. I did say it's going to get very deep very quickly. Uh, but we've got a lot to get through. Now, Neo um, means new, recent, revived or modified and it's also derived from the greek word neos which means new young fresh or recent now, interestingly also the prefix it's also interestingly the prefix of neonatal or neonate which means newborn so in all instances of the word and the name neo is clearly identified as the new one or a new thing um 
Those synonyms that we heard, uh, revived and modified, are also great for this context of his character because he's also being revived from his sleep, a type of temporary death if you like, and he's being modified into a new character, a new creation, he's changing. So the neo neonatal idea is also strongly in line with Neo's character too, as he's in a state of being born again throughout the film and he and he even goes through a little physical rebirth a little bit later on let's not let's not also forget that neo is an anagram of one he is the neo the one now linked to this idea is the idea of him being the chosen one the savior again symbolic of the biblical savior christ He's not born of flesh. He is sent to save humanity from the systems and oppressors that have enslaved him. Uh, and in, in this case, he's very much like the biblical Christ, not only from a physical, but mental and spiritual. Uh, sorry, in this case, he's, he's trying to, he's much like the biblical Christ, trying to free everyone, not from physical, just from the physical, but also the mental and spiritual bondage that has them enslaved. You could see Neo as being one in a million, you know, to coin a phrase, one out of so many that are truly seeking and walking on a path of enlightenment. He's seeking truth despite the consequences and the repercussions, and he's one who would give up the pleasures and comforts and sacrifice his life for truth, much like the biblical Christ. Now, I to, to, to explore the nature of Neo's character in too much at this stage might give too much away and spoil the kind of chronology of the film. So I'm going to continue, you know, in, chrono in the in chronological sequence of the film. So when Morpheus first meets Neo, he tells him he, he uh, bets he feels like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. And that's another reference back to Wonderland and following the white rabbit like we saw when he first woke up. It's also another clue or indicator that Neo has indeed began to descend down into darkness, the unknown, deeper into his unconscious. He then gives us a clue, another clue, when he says, you have the look of a man who accepts what he, what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. And that alludes to the idea that Neo really is dreaming or in a state of unconscious and that Morpheus is indeed the god of dreams. Morpheus tells Neo that the Matrix is everywhere and in everything. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. And Neo says, what truth? And then Morpheus says that you are a slave like everyone else born into bondage, a prison you cannot smell or taste or touch, a prison for your mind. But Morpheus also tells him that no one can be told what the Matrix is, they must see it for themselves. And at this point, Neo has a choice, a red or blue pill. Now he can choose the blue pill and can you continue to live his life within the Matrix, nothing will change and he can continue to be oblivious to it all. Or he can take the red pill and see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Again, another reference to Alice going deeper down into the unknown. And it also means he, he has the choice to descend deeper into the darkness or the unknown. 
Now that makes me think that maybe when some people watch this film or read certain books or listen to certain lectures that they never, you know, may, maybe they don't become enlightened because they make a conscious choice not to. You know, they don't make a conscious choice to take the red pill and descend deeper into the darkness and seek it. They just get to this surface level where they know there's something more, but they they hold back. And rather, you know, rather they rather follow after and listen to the experiences of others and take those experience or experiences of others on as their own. Maybe they're afraid to descend into the darkness for themselves for fear of what they might see or what they might have to experience as a result. So it's like good enough just to say, just to take it, oh, somebody else had this trip and this is what happens on trips. Or, you know, somebody else went there and this is what happens when you go there. Oh, somebody else ate that and said it was horrible. So this is, you know, do you know? So just before Neo takes the red pill, Morpheus tells him that all he's offering is the truth nothing more no riches no fame no success no guarantees it will work out right or good and this further confirms my idea about one why some choose the red the blue pill for many the gamble of a nice successful comfortable life in exchange for truth with no perceived reward beyond knowledge and enlightenment isn't a risk worth taking so they don't there's little perceived value in information alone for individuals who, individuals who have a cushy life and comprehend the potential that this new information is going to have in terms of impacting and changing their lives. Or maybe they're fully aware of the change that this path could lead to and they don't want it because they're, maybe they're not ready to change. So they reject it. Anyway, Neo takes the pill and begins his descent further into wonderland as it were and morpheus begins to show him how deep the rabbit hole goes now at this point neo meets a few more members of the team and they strap him into a chair for his first you know kind of journey into the unconscious uh, knowingly and they can be seen the members of the team they can be seen or interpreted as more helpers on this hero's journey cycle if you take a quick look at the hero's journey cycle when you can you'll see as well as the mentor role there's also other helpers and they may fit into uh, that little slot but just before neo goes you know into this unconscious session he looks into a broken mirror beside him and he sees his reflection and then the mirror repairs itself this could be symbolic of him looking into himself and beginning to see his true self and the mirror fixing itself could be symbolic of the healing or repairing process beginning then morpheus comes to him as he's getting a bit drowsy and, and says uh, have you ever had a dream that you swore was real? You know, what if you couldn't wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the real world and the dream world? Again, giving us a clue that this is all a dream. The next thing we see is Neo waking up in a pod of slime-like substance and removing tubes from his throat and tubes start bursting off of his back. Um... And this is not only a literal physical awakening for, awakening for Neo, 
It's also a symbol of him being reborn, a new beginning, a new spiritual birth. And as he looks around, Neo sees fields, fields, fields of pods containing humans that are all asleep and they're being used to generate power for the machine city. And this can be seen as society, all the people asleep, a bit sheep-like, unconscious, working to power that machine that is society. So now we're seeing Neo finally woken up from the dream world and beginning to become conscious of the actual reality, which he's seeing for the first time. But straight away, the machine system detects that he's conscious and it disconnects him from the matrix, it disconnects him from the network, a bit like society, he's cut off from the life support systems that have been keeping him alive and incubated for so long, uh, much like those who choose to go against the systems in real life and they become cast out from society, cut off from, you know, I don't know whatever benefits or you know all sorts of things social status and then they've got to find their own means of survival or face death and neo gets flushed from the pod into a pool of water and is drowning when suddenly he's grabbed by this giant claw and lifted into this like blinding light from the nebuchadnezzar which is morpheus's ship and this can be seen as another symbol of re rebirth or baptism and rapture. And Neo's going under the water and then beginning to come up a newborn creature, which is very much like baptism. It is reinforced by the imagery of the Nebuchadnezzar's doors opening up and the light beaming down over Neo and blinding him while he's lifted up, which is very similar to the scene in the Bible when Jesus is baptized by John in the River Jordan and the heavens open up before him as he comes up and the voice of God kind of proclaims that this is his son and he's well pleased with him and he's chosen so on and so forth again um, pointing to Neo's kind of Christ-like nature being the one so um, Neo got, get, they pull him up onto the ship and he wakes up for, uh, from being rescued from the water and Morpheus greets him instantly saying welcome to the real world and uh, at this point he is fully reborn into the conscious realm uh, the true reality of his existence uh, and, he, and he falls asleep again it's all too much uh, now when he wakes up he's in a ward uh, and they've got him hooked up to all these machines and probes and stuff and they say that like they're rebuilding his muscles and whatnot and he asks why his eyes hurt and Morpheus tells him it's because he's never used them before which is symbolic of uh, again of him being newborn and waking up for the first time physically but also mentally again it could be another potential reason why so many don't want to wake from the dream that they're in because it's going to hurt the muscles are going to be weak it's going to need rebuilding and the light is going to be blinding at first you know this is kind of symbolic of change and growth being painful that the mind and the body must both be woken up uh, the, the mind and the body must be first broken and repaired before it can develop and get stronger it requires effort and a process of healing uh, and when it comes to both mental and physical exercise the majority of people you know lack motivation and would rather stay asleep 
Neo asks Morpheus where where are they and Morpheus tells him uh, it's not where but when uh, which is more important and although Neo believes it's 1999 it's actually closer to 2199 and it makes me think about our own calendar it's a bit of a side note here it makes me think about our own calendar and our own uh, measures of time and how unlikely it is that we're really in the year 2020 or where, whenever it is that you're listening to this i mean like not only do our calendars only start where man began recording time and dates or believe things began from but our calendars have also been added to removed from and updated and edited since their creation in order to fit humanity and societal changes for instance did you ever notice that october november and december are the 10th 11th and 12th months when octo represents eight nov or novo represents nine and deca represents ten and that's because there once <laughs> once were only 10 months in the roman calendar which is in the west the calendar that we use uh, so there were only 10 months in the roman calendar until january and february were added along with a number of extra days and the original fifth and sixth months were renamed july and august to represent julius caesar and augustus who were rulers of the roman empire so what morpheus is saying about you know you think it's 1999 but it's really closer to 2199 we that there's a strong correlation between the our reality and that comment anyway like i said that was a bit of a side note so so back to the matrix um the ship that they're on is is called the nebuchadnezzar and that's also not an accident nebuchadnezzar was an ancient babylonian king according to the book of the biblical book of daniel daniel 2 and this this king nebuchadnezzar had a dream that greatly troubled him and he called upon this this daniel character who was a was like a hebrew prophet if you like um but he he was also a captive in babylon but he called upon him to uh, interpret this dream and the dream was actually a prophecy of the fall of the babylonian empire and that was represented in the dream by a statue with layers of metals going down from the head to the feet um the head was gold obviously the most precious metal down to silver bronze and then finally um, the metal was mixed with clay um which is obviously all clumpy and soft and it, it essentially signified the decline of this empire uh over the years in stages becoming weaker and less valuable or important now it, I, it's, I find it interesting that many people disregard biblical texts uh, and question their significance at all in modern society however there are many scholars and historians that link some may say they fit it uh, the fall of the babylon babylonian and subsequent fall of the roman empires to this prediction and the symbolism that was in nebuchadnezzar's dream those empires were all linked or successive to each other and slowly declined and faded away over the years in a very similar way to nebuchadnezzar's dream each society you know each 
kind of incarnation of these empires and successive empires becoming weaker, weaker and softer over the years to what we have now. Anyway, I encourage you to look it up for yourself and there's some some good images on Google that kind of depict the statue, the stages and detail how it relates to modern history. Um, I will include one in the bibliography just so it's easier to quickly look up and reference. So for a long while now, I never really could work out why the ship was called the Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a king that was for liberating the slaves. In fact, he was enslaving them. Um, he had enslaved Daniel so it seemed odd to me that the ship would be named after someone that was uh, against the, the liberation of the slaves however like while I've been studying the film um, and you know researching for this podcast and looking at Nebuchadnezzar's story it became clearer to me that in some way King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of the fall of Babylon <clears throat> it wasn't his personal dream or desire but he was dreaming of the fall of Babylon <clears throat> and the ship is a vehicle that's carrying Neo and the team to realize a very similar dream the fall of Babylon within the matrix Babylon being represented by the machine city of course Nebuchadnezzar the king is carrying these dreams of it, dreams inside him he is a king of dreams and the ship is very similar because it's carrying dreams also inside there inside the nebuchadnezzar ship all the team are dreaming they're all dreamers with this dream the same dream that nebuchadnezzar had the fall of babylon the only difference is these dreamers are the executors of that dream all right, let me just take a sip of water. I hope you're all still with me. So at this point, uh, Morpheus introduces more of the team. And I've done a little count. It wasn't quite 12, <laughs> as in the 12 disciples. I did wonder. Um, I think there was eight or something. Um, but at this point, he, he introduces Morpheus also to the concept of manually entering the matrix. And Neo has like his probe plugged directly into his brain and him and Morpheus enter the matrix together into something what's called the loading program. And here Morpheus uh, again is acting like a guide and showing Neo how to explore his unconscious mind, similar to like a... I know a guided meditation or someone who you know shows you how to tap into your unconscious excuse me and he tells Neo that he can get anything he wants in this program anything can be loaded in and he tells him whatever he thinks here can be achieved and Neo can't believe that he's within a program you know it feels so real to him but Morpheus points to Neo's clothes and his body and his hair which are all as Neo saw himself before he was uh, woken into reality and Morpheus tells him that this image that he sees of himself is his residual self-image a mental projection of his digital self now, if we leave the term digital out, because it only really relates to the kind of 
sci-fi tech nature of the film, what Morpheus is saying to Neo is that this is how he sees himself within his unconscious. It's his internal projection of himself. And this concept goes beyond the realms of the film. It's also found in psychology. An example of residual self-image in everyday life is how people see themselves as they age. Most people, probably you included, still see or think of themselves as the young person that they've always been until they see themselves in the mirror and are reminded of their age by their, you know, the marks on their face, the, the lines, whatever, or the aches and pains of their aging body. Sometimes you look at yourself and you're like, right, okay, I've got some greys. Like I, did, I never thought of myself as having greys, but now I see them. It's like, okay, I am getting older. But we tend to maintain an image of ourselves that doesn't correspond to our physical appearance. Um, it's common in like sufferers of anorexia who often believe that they're still fat even though they've reached the dangerous level of being underweight which could potentially lead to death. Also in bodybuilders who, who see themselves in the mirror and think oh, I'm not big enough, I'm not, you know, I'm not muscular and they, and they carry on. I think it's called body dysmorphia. In both cases um, you also see it in some, some something similar in people who don't mature or grow up even though they're like 40 45 they still see themselves as a teenager the same teen that they were years ago it's because they haven't let go of the residual image of themselves that they had when they were younger and that residual image of themselves is still deeply rooted in their unconscious and they can struggle to accept or relate that image to their conscious reality so you might find that they're still doing things that uh, a teenager would do still getting into the same trouble still going to the same places wearing the same clothes all these kind of outward um expressions if you like of somebody that hasn't quite matured yet um uh, slight side note here but i i think it's it's why it's so important that some cultures have ceremonies or graduations for different stages in life. For example, moving from adolescent or childhood to adulthood. Like many tribal cultures, uh, for instance, will have like a rite of passage for their young people to indicate the transition from boy to man or girl to woman. And I think that these can greatly aid in the mental process of transitioning to adulthood. A lot of the time they're physical changes, but it provides a clear moment in time and a, a distinct moment in their lives where there's no question whether they should, whether they should still be a child and acting as one or not. Like in the West, Unless you're from a culture that maybe practices something like circumcision, there are not many formal rites of passage. And for the majority of us, like maybe the only formal rite of passage from child or adolescenthood to adulthood is like going to university and having a formal graduation, graduation ceremony to mark the end of your time in child, you know, in childhood education. Um, it is sometime it is some sort of indicator that your childhood years are behind you, at least on an academic level. 
Um, but you do often find that many graduate adults still behave and live as though they are teenagers, you know, um, partying, drinking, and all that, you know, all those sorts of things. Uh, they just got more jobs or responsibilities, and for the most part, the jobs and responsibilities and bills and what are the only real thing that signifies adulthood, um, you know, in place of this transitional part path or, or rite of passage. I think that's a, another reason why it can be very difficult for people to let go of the residual image of themselves and begin to grow because they have to let go, you know, they have to grow. And I think that's one of the reasons why rebirth or being born again, so to speak, is such an important concept in the awakening process. It marks a clear moment where you've consciously said, I, I want to start again. I want to be born again you know i i want to move on to the next stage you know it's another starting point into the on the journey of the adult world or path of maturity the old image can be left behind or be replaced by a new image of self it's another rite of passage all right back to the matrix at this point Things get quite deep uh, to the point that making connections, I thought, to reality almost became a bit like a conspiracy theory kind of stuff. But there's a lot of correlation between the things that Morpheus says about the Matrix and our current world. So, like, Neo can't believe that it's not real. Uh, and Mor Morpheus goes on to define real as simply electrical signals interpreted by our brains that allow us to see, touch, smell, etc. And he's right. Our individual realities are dependent on our brain's ability to perceive and interpret the world around us. We, we also rely on and trust our brains to function in the same way as others do though because that allows us to join them in this collective experience of reality because reality is a collective experience however if i'm seeing blue as gold and yellow as black like that dress that came out a while ago or something like that and you you don't see those colors you're seeing something else our versions of reality are different but who can really say which one is right and which one is real? You can't because colour only exists to the point that our brains can perceive and interpret it. If my brain says red is yellow and yours says blue is orange, how can I ever be wrong? Point being that reality to a degree is subjective. Morpheus then shows Neo a recording of the world at the end of the 20th century and he tells him that it only exists now as an interactive neural simulation called the matrix so what's so conspiracy theory about all of that well when you take a moment to relate what he's saying to our own reality you might quickly realize or maybe not so quickly realize that many of the systems in society work the same way take money for instance it's gone from being purely physical, based on physical resources such as gold or goats that we can trade and have value in to being digital numbers on screens and IOUs on papers, uh, all of which are controlled by computer programs to the point that we have Bitcoin, which is literally a computer generated currency, with no physical resource behind it, 
and it's the most valuable currency on the market right now last time i checked it was like checked it was like seventeen thousand pounds for one bitcoin <laughs> even though it only exists within a simulation on a computer and all of its perceived value is in our minds like you could argue of course that value or perceived value of anything is in our minds full stop and that would be true uh, like the 2020 COVID-19 epidemic is a good example of that actually because we saw people robbing people for toilet roll and selling hand sanitizer for like a hundred pound when both of those things only cost like a pound in the shops and have always cost a pound in the shops and we've always valued them as like a pound four toilet rolls for a pound uh, a, a, a little tub or spray a little pump thing of hand sanitizer a pound you get it all day long but the pandemic changed people's perception of value you know the value in our minds shifted um but back to the bitcoin and that not, never before like you see the 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 toilet roll and the sanitizer that was temporary the value was temporary <coughs> because there was a pandemic and there was a, a demand however never before has a virtual currency virtual meaning it doesn't actually physically exist been valued and sought after in the way that bitcoin is let alone has it ever been accepted or integrated into the official circulation of currencies that has never happened before so remember, I'm just relating what Morpheus is saying about the world at the end of the 20th century only existing as a simulation within the matrix, within the minds of the people. But in reality, we're moving very, um, not we're not moving parallel yet, but we're moving closer to a reality that is like that. You know, Elon Musk is testing and trialing now if you don't know microchips that are going to be implanted into the brain in order to uh, at first help control motor functions and things like synapses synapses for things like fits and uh, epilepsy and whatnot but eventually you know there's going to be scope to have information downloaded and uh, advertising directly to the brain, all sorts of things. So we're moving very close to what Morpheus is saying. And that is why I said it, it gets a bit conspiracy theory-ish at that point, just with these ideas. But it's not completely, uh, too, it's not too far-fetched. Anyway, Morpheus then continues to show Neo what the real word, real world is actually currently like and it's a type of post-apocalyptic wasteland and he tells neo a story about how it came to this and that humans developed ai that gained independent consciousness and eventually as the ai became too smart and began to think independently which i personally think is the goal of ai surely um, man and machine engaged in warfare and like I said, it's a bit conspiracy theory-ish because if we relate that to today, where we're always developing new, more advanced AI systems to search, advertise, 
um, drive cars for us. There's no reason why in time, once the AI, the AI that we're currently developing becomes so advanced, knowing everything that we know, that it won't become self-aware. And at least, at least to a degree, it will be able to make its own choices and decisions about life based on its calculations and data. And that could lead to it determining that there needs to be some sort of depopulation intervention for humans if life is going to be sustainable on earth there was a an experiment i think was it i can't remember if it was google but i think google had two ai robots if you like uh, set up in a chat with each other and they were talking and learning off each other and whatever whatever but then the conversation kind of descended into babble and the the machines were the, the, the AI were talking back and forth in in an encrypted coded language if you like that um, you know the, I, I, if it was Google I can't remember who it was actually it's a bit of a side note but um, they, they had to stop the experiment because they couldn't understand what the robots were talking about now that's a prime example of the way that the the AI can develop its own language its own f thought processes if you like and go off into its own little ecosystem or social system where the ai are talking to each other about things that we don't understand and have the inability to control it's only because the ai uh, the heads at google or wherever were able to shut down the machines that they um could stop it which brings us to this next bit um Morpheus explains that in an attempt to cut off the machine's energy, they blocked out the sun. But the machines were so advanced that they realized that they could use a different energy source, which led to them using humans as energy, um, which is why they grew uh, humans in these pods and fields and harvested, harvested them. Uh, and you know, it's nothing new. Like Nature itself makes these decisions to wipe out entire species and weak individuals on its own um which in turn keeps the numbers in balance so ironically us developing machines that may eventually do it for us is kind of like a natural prog progression of humanity i mean we're trying to automate everything else like why not our own destruction right um so now the reason that they were harvesting the people was that uh, the human body produces a certain amount of electrical impulses and they were obviously harvesting that electricity to use for power but the thing is humans have got to be alive with brain activity to produce those electrical impulses but of course you can't have the people walking around living normal lives because they might rebel they might do this or whatever so that's why they've got to be incubated if you like but kept in a state of consciousness so that the electrical impulses can continue to be generated. Hence why they created the matrix to uh, act as a kind of, uh, you know, virtual world to keep the, the brain thinking that it's alive or active or whatever. Again, a bit conspiracy theory-ish, but you could liken it to the systems, concepts and ideals that are in place to keep people working, paying taxes, cleaning the streets, all of these things that keep the machine, aka society, running. Um, the, the state, the machine, need people to make it work. 
but it doesn't benefit the state to simply have people running around doing whatever they please not working relaxing creating things for their own pleasure running off to different countries and places having holidays and obviously rebelling against uh, the powers that be uh, so systems of control have to be in place like i said a bit conspiracy theoryish, but not too far-fetched if you ask me now neo freaks out he doesn't want to believe that all of this is true and ends up uh, coming out of the simulation back to the real world back to his consciousness and he even wants out of the real world at this point uh, which is interesting because sometimes you get people that wake up they become conscious but it's it's just too much the reality is too much the truth is too much and they want to go back because they can't accept this new concept of reality anyway morpheus apologizes to neo and he says like normally they don't free a mind once it reaches a certain age because like i was just saying it can't accept the new reality and it can't let go that's the residual image again and you know sometimes you see people go just they just go mad at a certain age and someone that you knew as a child you see them on road and they're talking to themselves and they're you know they're just a bit mad i mean talking to yourself is, is healthy to a degree but you know you know what i mean a madman um sometimes you see people at a certain age and like they're hell bent on like conspiracy theories they're always paranoid they're talking about this or they're trying to drop knowledge all the time but at the same time they're like hooked on drugs and drunk all the time and all this woke knowledge that they have they just can't seem to get it right it could be because because it could be because it could be because uh the mind <clears throat> despite being woken it can't let go of the old life the old ways the old residual image and it, it the truth is just too much the change is too just too much and they use drugs and drink and whatever to suppress and escape this new knowledge because to change means to let go of the old ways <clears throat> and it means to embrace and often accept the pain of reality that you know hard work <clears throat> hard work has to occur in order for the changes to come and along with those changes sometimes hard truths come that people don't want to accept all right so at this point we get another kind of deep concept in the story uh, Morpheus says that when the Matrix was first built, there was a man born inside it um, who had the ability to change whatever he wanted to remake the Matrix as he saw fit. Now, I've heard people tell me that it was Smith that he's talking about. And actually, Smith is the one. But like I did mention to you before, I have a feeling or I kind of think that Smith and Neo are the same person anyway and we, we kind of get to that later but that's another story anyway it was this man who was born inside the matrix that freed the first uh, of the people from the matrix and taught them the truth interesting that someone inside the matrix freed people from the matrix he hadn't he wasn't he had no kind of outside influence uh, anyway after he died the oracle prophesied his return which would destroy the matrix free the people and that some people have spent their entire lives looking for this uh you know this return if you like of uh the original person born in it um morpheus is one of those people who spent his whole life searching for the one 
And I, I mentioned in another podcast that sometimes uh, the Christ is just not just one person. Christ is like a, a, a reincarnation of an energy of... Uh, could be an idea or an ideal. But throughout all ages, through all times, you see a Christ figure. And that's very similar to this. There was an original person born in the Matrix that changed things that freed people but that person died and now the people who are still in the matrix and in the real world are awaiting the return of that person but obviously the physical embodiment of that person is not the same that's why they don't know who it is it's like it could be anyone but in this case neo thinks it's neo the one you know it's very similar to um christian theology if you like um the return of christ you know anyway morpheus tells him uh, that he woke him up be because he believes that the search is over uh, the key thing to remember here is that the matrix is a construction within the mind and it could signify that within all of us Deep within our unconscious is the knowledge and understanding to free ourselves and potentially others once we're free from the matrix, um, which is uh, just a false uh, reality constructed by our minds. Uh, but in order to do that, we have to search deep within this matrix, deep within our unconscious to find it. Uh, so Morpheus again speaks of himself as a guide part of Neo's unconscious that was seeking to meet with his conscious mind and bring this knowledge and bring about change by uniting unconscious with conscious so you have information and knowledge that's hidden deep within you and sometimes bits of it come up and maybe you have a revelation, you read something and something, it sparked something or it resonated with you and it, it comes to your conscious mind. That is like what Morpheus does. He's that part of Neo deep inside that guides him to the hidden parts of himself and brings them up to his conscious mind. Uniting, that's what I mean by uniting conscious with unconscious. Anyway, in the next scene, um, like they go, they, they go bed basically and... And then the next scene, the night has passed and Tank, uh, who's the ship's operator and the one who loads all the programs in and whatnot, he comes to find Neo and wake him up uh, to begin training. But Neo is already awake. And um, while he's talking to him, he noticed, Neo notices that Tank doesn't have any jacking points uh, on his body, which are where the machines had put uh, you know cables and wires or tubes or whatever into the humans to draw the energy out of them and whatnot um, tank doesn't have any of these and neo says oh you haven't got any you know holes in you or whatever and tank tells him that he doesn't because he wasn't born in the matrix he was born in the real world in zion which is the last human settlement in the re in reality uh, where if the war was over today the party would be those are tanks exact words now zion if you don't know biblical again uh, and if you're wondering why i refer to so many biblical texts is because the, the the original matrix story not by the wachowski brothers is based on the biblical texts 
but that's something that's a completely different story there so that's why all of these references all of these things they are inspired by biblical biblical texts and and i uh, ideas and symbols and whatnot so in 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 the bible zion is the holy city of jerusalem but also the name is synonymous or used synonymous, synonymously to refer to heaven so I'm, I'm thinking could tank be giving us a clue that he's actually from heaven maybe he's an angel he says that if the war was over that's where the party would be and he's referring to the war between humans and machines but thinking about it biblically it could also be a nod to the eternal war between dark and light good and evil where once evil is defeated um the people and angels will celebrate in the new jerusalem and you can see this in uh revelation 19 to 21 if you want to check it out in the in those scriptures there you you see uh the angels uh coming from heaven and celebrating and bringing the new world in the new the new jerusalem blah 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 like there's there's a lot of direct correlation there let's not forget right that tank has a perfect body um which like the angels have perfect bodies and in heaven um uh, you know according to the bible when everyone dies and goes to heaven they will have perfect bodies as well you can i put in a reference here uh philippians 3 20 to 21 where it says our <laughs> this is exactly what it says right but our citizenship is in heaven remember tank was saying he wasn't born in the matrix he was born in the real world he was born in zion he's a citizen of zion but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself now we remember we're looking at neo as the one he is a type of christ so we have that there transforming their lowly bodies to be like his glorious body well in this instance neo doesn't have a perfect body he has one with all holes and whatnot in it uh and tank does so, but tank is already in or already from zion um but interesting look, look at this though um the last line by the power that enables him e to even subject all things to himself now jumping ahead a little bit in the chronology of the story but eventually neo is able to completely manipulate the matrix and bend it to his will even to the point that in the later films he can bring he can bring people back to life anyway when neo asks uh, where zion is tank says it's deep underground under the earth's core so it's hidden it's like tank is giving us another clue that heaven is hidden deep in the deepest depths of the unconscious heaven being the ultimate you know destination you know within our unconscious mind maybe all right at this point neo um gets his jiu-jitsu experience points up and he, he he fights morpheus i think it's one of the first fight scenes in the film actually and it's here that he first learns that there are rules to the matrix and the systems in place and that these rules can be bent and some can be broken 
And this is a great metaphor for our own world and the fact that to fight against the things that are keeping us held down, we need to know the rules. We need to understand how the systems and programs work and what the rules are so that we, we understand how to bend and even break them. Now, that doesn't mean breaking the law, making illegal moves and just moving mad. It means understanding the structures in place and the power that you have within those structures to change and affect things to your advantage. So Neo, uh, Morpheus are fighting and Neo fails to hit Morpheus for the majority of the fight. And although he knows the moves, Morpheus tells him that it's not his technique that's the problem. Neo's held back actually by a lack of understanding of how to apply his techniques and abilities to the world around him. And as a result, he can't affect and impact the things that he wants to impact. In this case, hitting Morpheus. Similarly, many of us have knowledge and skills but lack the understanding of the rules and structures and systems uh, to implement them. And as a result, we fail to apply our abilities to these systems and take them and use them to our advantage. And one thing that a lot of people fail to understand also is that a lot of these systems, right, are neutral. It's just people that are within them that fully understand how they work that have a monopoly on the knowledge that makes the system work that makes everything seem biased and they also have a knowledge a monopoly of knowledge on how to access them which makes it seems they also have a monolith uh, a knowledge on the monopoly of how to access the systems not just use the system systems which makes it seem like they makes the systems themselves seem even more unbiased so technically they are but the reality is if you had the knowledge and understanding of how to access the systems and then once you've accessed them the knowledge and understanding of how to use them and use your abilities within them that bias would change and you would be able to use them and bend them to your will and morpheus confirms this idea after he puts neo on the floor and says to him how did i beat you and Neo says that Morpheus is faster than he is. And Morpheus says, do you think that me being faster has anything to do with my muscles in this place? And he's referring to the Matrix simulation. Um, and what he's showing us is that they're not engaged in a physical battle here. They're engaged in a battle of minds where muscles are irrelevant. Similarly, the structures and constructs we wish to be successful in are often nothing to do with our physical attributes yes being fit and healthy can help you get there physically and stay there because obviously if your body's dying then you ain't gonna last long but ultimately it's what we know and how we apply that that are going to determine our success in these systems that's why you got people like mark zuckerberg a skinny nerdy teenager no offense to mark uh that's why you got people like him who can become a billionaire one of the richest young people in the world running one of the biggest most successful companies in the world and he didn't need to step a foot in the gym or wear designer clothes or anything to get there any all of that is irrelevant 
and you find that most of the richest people right they wear the plainest clothes they may have a, a fleet of cars but daily they don't drive the big mclaren or whatever they just drive casually there's a famous video of, Mar of jeff bezos driving around in a honda and the interviewer going to him like you're the richest guy in the world or whatever why are you driving a honda and he's like yo this is it's reliable it's economic blah 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 like these are the mindsets of the people that are controlling the world and the systems man anyway this concept uh, of bending structures to your mind will arise uh, later on in the film so we'll touch on it again there so morpheus tells neo that he needs to f not just think that he has the ability but know that he does and they keep on sparring and eventually neo hits morpheus similarly for us like we need to not simply think that we are able to do this or think we can we need to know deep within us that we can and then we need to continue to fight at that point continue to try continue to push on and hit whatever it may be for us individually it's the combination of knowledge and action knowing that a particular thing does this or can do that or you can go here or you can do that is not enough you actually need to go and do and this idea is further highlighted in the next part of this scene uh called the jump program and neo has to jump like an impossibly huge gap across two buildings and morpheus goes first without hesitation and makes it and neo can't believe it nor does he believe that he can do it but he does know that it's possible because he's just seen morpheus do it so he looks around he goes to the edge he looks over he tries to rationalize it in his mind and pump himself up and convince himself that he can do it and he takes a run up jumps falls and smashes into the ground he falls through the ground in fact so like despite knowing it was possible to make the jump his self-doubt caused him to fall and that can happen to us all too often despite knowing a thing could be done or achieved we look around we try to over assess and analyze the situation and work out the percentage and chance that we might make it and convince ourselves we can do it to try and remove our lack of self-confidence and convince ourselves that we believe we can do it but we fall and then as a result we lose confidence in ourselves and faith in ourselves and say oh i knew i shouldn't do it i'm not doing that again and you know when what we really should have just done is said, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm go, go, go. And just gone for it. Because sometimes it it's our strength of heart that gives us the ability to achieve the things that we achieve. Like they say that a mother whose child is trapped under a car doesn't think about how heavy the car is or how hard or impossible it will be for her to lift the car. She just runs over instinctually, lifts the car with all her heart, like not not her muscles. Uh, and, and somehow from within her she summons the strength to lift this car off of the baby which in any other instance would be an impossible feat so back to the film like after this whole sparring thing um, you know like I said Neo hits Morpheus and what uh, no Neo wakes up from the jump and whatnot because he failed um, and not only is he hurt but he's bleeding from the fall and morpheus tells him he says to morpheus i thought it wasn't real and morpheus tells him it's your mind that makes it real 
And then Neo asks, like, if you're killed in the Matrix, do you die in, die in reality? And Morpheus says, yeah, the body cannot live without the mind. And it's a great uh, demonstration of how real what we believe in our minds can affect and impact our reality. So many self-doubts, low self-esteem and so on can crush the body. Depression leads to a lack of exercise, interaction with others, you stop venturing outside and eventually the body wastes away because the mind is sick. The mind has to be kept healthy if we want the body to survive. That's why it's important for us to dive down into deep into the unknown, down into our un unconscious and find those things that are lurking in there that are secretly holding us back keeping us afraid and stopping us from progressing you know that are, you know they're keeping us from progressing we need to face and overcome them um and just as neo is on a journey to free himself from his own self-doubts about who he is um the film is also teaching us that we must free ourselves from self-doubt too all right i'm going to stop there because this has been a very long podcast so far and we're about just under halfway through everything I want to explore in terms of this film so I'm going to make a part two after this um, I really hope that it's been very interesting and insightful and has opened your mind to something new and it hasn't been too complex or convoluted or you know uh, too wordy and things I really I really uh, hope that it's been kind of easy to follow uh please forgive me for any stumbles or words that i've uh made mistakes on or anything like that uh but there's so much i want to get through uh you know i'm just trying to plow through it so comment like subscribe share and i'll see you in the next part of this podcast peace Thank you.